Welcome back, guys, to another episode of TM Up Pod. Um, we're coming off a a jam packed weekend, um, and although Aaron is present in this podcast, he is deeply in his sorrows um, from yesterday's just banger of a game, um, Super Bowl. Super Bowl between the Eagles and Chiefs did not disappoint. 38-35. But you know what? We're actually going to be talking about a different type of football for this segment. And I think our guest here that you guys know really well, Ricardo Gonzalez Vega, would go as far as saying the real type of football. Is that right, Ricky? Yes, that is 100% right. It's the only type, actually. I don't know what they're doing in America and why they're calling it football. But um, yeah, you're right. Right in South the Salvadorian jungle. <laughs> hey, that's neither here or there, man. I'm just saying. Ricky is perched up in a jungle tree with a toucan on his right and a recording <laughs> mic on his left. He is ready. That's the dedication that this guy brings all the way from the Salvadorian jungle. But um, but yeah, it was uh, it was a hell of a game yesterday. But Rick. You know what was also a hell of a time was the January transfer window. I was actually quite shocked at the sheer, not only the amount of moves that took place, but it feels like there's a lot of prominent moves that you were like, damn, like, okay, like that's kind of swinging for the fences. Um, and a lot of this action came from the EPL um, and and a little bit from the German League too and very little from, from Italy, but just a lot of of different types of movement here. So why don't we kind of jump in and, and tackle, we'll just go through kind of the moves that I have written down here that I thought were, were of prominence. And then we can, we can cover some more if, if I forget any, but um, start with you, Rick, like Jorginho, your guy from, uh, from the blues. I know you were pretty vocal last time you were on the pod that there's a likelihood that he would get moved. Um, yeah. And um, he made his way over to the Gunners, chasing a title. So, I don't know. I guess I'll ask you your perspective, A, as a Chelsea fan, how you feel about it, and B, as a, from like an analysis standpoint, how is this a good move for for Arsenal? Yeah, um, Jorginho, I mean, obviously, we, we could all see this coming with the amount of signings Chelsea uh, was making right and I'm sure we'll get into Chelsea signing soon but um it does kind of hurt to see him going just across the street to to Arsenal you know um I definitely not the colors you want to see him in and especially knowing how Chelsea's season is going and how Arsenal season might end up uh, it's it's obviously going to be painful if we see him lift the Premier League trophy this season right um so from a you know sentimental point of view, I would say, yeah, it hurts because we also know the quality of player they're getting. But if you're if we're realistic, like we just got Enzo Fernandez for a record break, uh, record breaking amount of money in the British football, um, and I think I'm not. I, you can't say it's an odd upgrade yet, right? Because he's just 22 and he plays a little differently from Jorginho, but he's definitely gonna do lots of uh, good things at at Chelsea. You can tell from the first moment uh, in the first game he had. Uh, in the Chelsea colors. So you can't really be too sad about it, right? You got to let him go. Um, you know that you weren't going to be able to get much money off him uh, or, or even let him go for free if you let him run out his contract. And now he's playing for Arsenal. He's played he played for Everton. I mean, sorry, against Everton. In his debut, he played half an hour and Arsenal lost. So it's always a positive thing to know Arsenal loses. And now they've dropped points again against Brent, Brentford. So what I was saying before... Right. Um, in the previous episode that we talked about this was Jorginho is an older player that has more experience under his belt um, and, and more time in the Premier League than any of the Arsenal youngsters. Right. So this is where he can help in tough moments like this. Arsenal are about to play uh, City this week, this Wednesday. Um, and basically, if they lose, they're now two points away, maybe um, from from City uh, uh, over City, I guess on top of City. So it's it's complicated and, and I know that it's going to help Arsenal. It's definitely going to help Arsenal in the sense of trying to get them back into winning um, a winning 
way right i'm winning how do you call this run um so yeah it's a positive very positive signing for um arsenal very positive sale for chelsea i would say it's a it's a bit of a win-win obviously i would rather see him in you know leeds or aston villa or brentford or anyone else roma or roma caps or just not really arsenal (laughs) right that's a painful one but but it's fine. It's something that needed to be done. We all know Aaron would love to see him in the white caps, right, Aaron? Yeah, maybe even get him at uh, Vancouver FC, new CPL club. Or oh my god, you know, get him. Yeah, get him over there. They can. They can How hilarious would that be? The neutral like Canadian championship. Imagine if like a, just a massive player came to the CPL, like completely mm-hmm. out of context. Like just like an absolute like like big Rom was like you know what I'm not it's not working out in Europe I'm gonna go play for for Van City FC. Well, well just imagine a like a, imagine like a legendary soccer player out of context going out of context going to the Saudi league for some reason, right? Yeah, like, that would never happen. Like that would be ridiculous. That'd be yeah, yeah. just yeah. So I mean, you know, at least he's dominating. So shout out to CR7. <laughs> oh yeah, Ronaldo's um, there. I forgot. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Him, the second best player of all time, or third. Yeah. That's why. I, that's why I forgot about him. Yeah, just after Pelle and Messi, I, I kind of my mind goes blank. So, um, yeah, it's a tough one. But um, <laughs> piggybacking off of that um, that Jorginho um, analysis, there, Rick, you did mention a little bit that uh, Enzo Fernandez. Uh, Massive, massive signing. Um, as you said, was uh, the biggest signing in British football. Um, yeah. So obviously, Todd Bowley has a checkbook with that that is just blank. It seems, and he just slides it over to other sporting directors and says, "But write down your number. I don't give a shit. I'll take it." Yeah. Um, so he he is ready to go. I mean, it's cr- pretty crazy to think that um, a mid-table side like Chelsea is just balling out the way they are on the financial side, but. Um, still having a very, very, very disappointing year uh, so far, sitting in tenth, which is just not Chelsea like. But besides that, um, let's get into to the move a little bit. So, do you think this is a good move for Chelsea? Not necessarily. I know it's a it's a prominent move, and it might be you know a good move that pays off. But right now, given the the fee. And everything. How would you rate the signing um, of the biggest transfer? Well, I mean, like I said, right? Um, this is just the amount of money you have to pay to get anything done now. Uh, now in this day and age, and in this market, like it's it's been the inflation is just unbelievable. So you have to pay. You have to pay a hundred plus for a holding midfielder. This would never happen, right? Uh, Zidane cost maybe cost 75 million euros and that was world record back then and that's Zinedine Zidane you know like you and now you, you pay for a holding mid that will give you maybe maybe 10 goal contributions in the, in a season and still call it a good season is worth 105 pounds 105 million pounds you know um, it's just what you got to pay to get it over the over the finish line and it's I think end of the day the money is going to get even more stupid and more stupid as we go, um, as we go on, right? So, next thing you know, you'll be paying one hundred and fifty, and then nobody's gonna remember that Chelsea paid one hundred five for Enzo Fernandez, you know. And he's gonna be amazing in Chelsea colors. He already got his first assist the other day. He was very good in his debut. Um, so, I mean, I don't, I'm not worried about the price tag. It doesn't seem like he's worried about the price tag. Um, so, yeah, I'm not want to criticize it right maybe you like you i i I bet you that we're gonna think more about price tags of other signings that they've made right now for maybe 40 50 mil instead of this guy this guy is gonna be amazing it's only 22 and i think he'll only get better too um so yeah i think enzo fernandez is an absolute uh you know they, they hit it out of the park really yeah no it's um it, it definitely was massive and it was in the works for a while um back and forth there but um yeah i mean he did recently make his debut in a and i believe a draw with fulham was it um yeah yeah, he he kind of came on and um, a lot of criticism will be thrown his way just because of that price tag but at the end of the day like you said a 22 year old kid holding midfielder obviously has immense ability kind of exploded on the world cup stage for argentina 
Um, and it's just, uh, I think he'll be a good piece moving forward for Chelsea. It just, um, at the end of the day, they're going to have to figure out where they want to go um, direction-wise. I know they've been linked with Jose Mourinho actually returning. Um, no chance. Which is just, which is very random. Um, it's, listen, like, I think Chelsea, like Graham Potter, like <laughs> we should give him a full season, you know, like a full season with his signings um, and see what he can do. I know that Chelsea right now, like are very much in the mud, as people say. Right. So we need to give him a full season from the beginning, beginning to end and see what he can do. Right. Um, I don't think it's fair for him to get sacked as Chelsea normally do with with their managers. But um if you give him a full season, now he shows you, okay, this is what I can do or can't do, you know? And then if he's close to relegation, then bring someone else in, right? But Chelsea is not going to be top four this season. So you might as well finish the season with him, see if there's any positives, and then look to go. Um, if You can make a decision in the summer if you want. If these guys end 17th, 15th, okay. Clearly, it's not working. But right now, he has half a season. So please don't sack him before the season's over. See what he can do. I do think he's a very, um, like, he is qualified, right? He's done it in the Prem. Obviously, with a Brighton side, that's not the same as managing Chelsea, but he'll get used to it. He'll get used to the pressure and the environment, um, and he's learning as he goes, you know? That's how every every good coach is uh, is built, you know? Look at Arteta right now. He's, he's competing for the Premier League title with, like, without spending as much as Chelsea has, and he took two years where it was, ups and downs and more downs than ups and he was heavily criticized and arsenal trusted him and now he's top of the table well worst case scenario uh you guys could just hire garrett southgate um <laughs> and just bring him into the fold right aaron maybe bring some british flair i mean great potter is british too but maybe bring the national guy in there and then chelsea would be a real circus you'd have the most polarizing owner and then the most polarizing coach at the helm. I think I think they ought to bring in the Kiwi man, John Herdman, Canadian Ooh, good shout. national team legend. Is it a good shout, though? Yeah. I think I'm just joking. No, <laughs> no, no. John Herdman is a legend, and we love him. We have all the time in the world for Johnny Herdman. He's done well with both the women and the men's team for Canada. So why not Chelsea? Just the next logical step, in my opinion. You know, I, but, I, I, um, think, I think I got to jump up in there. You know, I, I got a pretty code. Good coaching record on the youth on the youth stage, so I think I'm ready for the jump and transition up to the to the adult level here. Might as well, man. Might as well. I mean, like, you know, I'm sure you can. I'm sure your 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 expertise will be will be appreciated. So, um, let's uh, move to another British giant here. Um, and I know Aaron that this segment soccer is not necessarily your forte. Or out of all sports, I mean, you you definitely bring the heat in in areas like basketball and football and so forth. But I think this is one topic um, that I really wanted to cover that I think is just <laughs> it's it's hilarious to me. This is just very on brand, um, and it's very uh, there's a lot of parallels here to the Italian league and Juventus. So I do have just all the time in the world for seeing these big corrupt teams. Um, you know, get uh, slapped around in the media. So Man City is facing um, just an absolute... I, I don't even know what's going to happen, guys, but it is. it does not look good for them. Um, they're facing over 100 breaches of financial rules by the Premier League. And there is reports out there that, um, you know, with previous punishments being laid down... It could consist of a points deduction as well as a possible expulsion from the Premier League. Um, as we know, back in 2006 in the matchmaking or match fixing scandal, Juventus was relegated to Sadia Chi. Um, and it was just an earth shattering um, punishment and really turned Italian football on its head. So, what are your guys' view on this? I mean, this is the biggest team in England when it comes to, you know, just pedigree right now um, in the modern era of football. Within the past, you know, five, ten years, they've definitely been the most, you know, dominant team in the Premier League. On the international stage, you've always been up there in, in the Champions League, um, you know, competition. So what do you think 
is going to happen with uh, with Man City, and and then what do you think should happen with with what they've been accused and alleged of? We'll start with uh, with Aaron, man. I don't know if you follow too much on this, but um, yeah, I mean, with given the information that's out there, like what do you see happening, and what do you think should happen to a team like like City or any team rather that does these kind of financial breaches? Um, I think I think a relegation to um, a lower level is very harsh in my opinion, um, especially if Man City is going to be their first their first offense. So first offense, no, I don't think you should get relegated. But a points dedu- points deduction for sure, and then some sort of ban on transfer market activity would be would be ideal for you know a couple of years or a couple of transfer windows, similar to like the NCAA when they have their um, when the school goes through their violations and stuff, it really damages a program. But then, you know, it's that's a suitable punishment. I think just a points deduction. I don't know how many points, but yeah, I guess r- related to the last topic. Yeah, I mean, when Pep said if Man City is caught with any sort of financial fair play violation, he's going to leave the club. So um, Pep to Chelsea was trending on Twitter. and I think we got to get a trending on this podcast as well. Pep to Chelsea. Get it done. <laughs> no, I mean, um, I mean, I would love it. I'll take it right now. Uh, where do I sign? But <clears throat> I don't think, okay, what do I think is going to happen? Yeah, maybe a few points are deducted. I don't think they're going to send them down to the championship. I doubt that they'll be relegated because of this. Um, like Aaron it's also It's also ratings too, right? Like Man City is exactly. that team that you want to watch. And the Premier League is a business and they're like, yeah, they're, governing the system but they're also there to see what's best for business and what's not best for business is relegating <laughs> manchester city who's won i don't know how many of the last premier league titles yeah exactly not, exactly it's business. it's business right it's the same same thing and obviously i mean we talked about juventus on the on the podcast before last time i was here and it was the same thing i, I didn't really agree i know geo loved it but i didn't really agree with a 15 point deduction <laughs> because I juventus Juventus were just coming off a great run of form that they had to really just you just grind results in. And it was kind of admirable how they managed to uh, get eight or nine wins in a row to kind of go back up to second. They were hey guys, nearing has in. Anyone, has, any, has anyone seen my violin anywhere? Uh, <laughs> they were... Shut the Shut the violin. <laughs> they, were, um, they were stringing good results, finally got close to Napoli, and now they're like... They, I don't even know what place they went down to. But um, 15 point deduction, Napoli is now for sure going to win the league. Um, so now City, yeah, all of a sudden, is not that interesting anymore this season, uh, especially the top places. If you're Roma trying to get into top wow, four, okay. then sure, maybe, right? Um, Hell yeah, baby. Let's but, go. Uh, CL, no, I'm not CL. making fun of you because Juventus is not even going to make that. But it's just, I, I, no, I don't no. agree what with that. What does CL stand for? Conference League? Conference League. No, we're CLC, baby. Conference League champions. That's what we are, baby. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> reeling it back in. I wasn't really, I didn't really agree with the point deduction for Juventus. And I don't really agree for, with the point deduction for City because every, all that is done on the field, right? And it's actually pretty much done one fair and square, right? So what I do agree with, and Aaron mentioned, this is a transfer violation, right? What the breaches are are in transfers and like in lying with pretty much what Juventus did, right? Lying in how much they were selling for, how much they were getting for sales. Um, so, and, and how much they were paying for players, right? So I, I think that like, if it's a transfer ban, um, sorry, if, it, if it's a transfer violation, it should be a transfer ban. Chelsea had a transfer ban for almost two years. I, wanted, I think it was three windows, so a year and a half. Um, and that's when, I mean, Hazard left in that period I remember they loaned out, they loaned Kovacic to then buy him because they couldn't sign players, they couldn't pay for for, uh, for signings. So I think that's the best option here. If they've been, if it's a hundred breaches and it's that big, then okay, make it three three years, make it two years without signing anyone, you know. And I'm sure they'll still be fine, but they'll suffer because of the fact that they can't sign new players. So I think that's the best course of action here. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, guys, I honestly think that a harsh punishment, and I mean, obviously, it's that's very subjective, you know, and, and it's a scale of how 
<clears throat> how harsh you want to be. But for me, I mean, the thing that I think is the most egregious thing about Man City's, um, you know, um, alleged breaches is that this is this was between a period from 2009 to 2017, 18. It wasn't like a one kind of one-off season where maybe they cooked the books a little bit um, on you know how much money or revenue they were bringing in versus how much they were they were selling and whatever. They it was over a hundred breaches. They did this a hundred times over an eight-year span, and it wasn't just um, to do with like transfers. I mean, they were doing secret deals like under the table stuff. They were also cooking the books in regard to sponsorships um, and payments and things like that. So they were really manipulating, um, you know, the Premier League, UEFA, um, pretty much everybody uh, in terms of the way they were operating. And the thing that really bothers me is I see the way that the financial fair play regulations are set up. And I think it's honestly the most corrupt and stupid, stupid system. Because all they're really doing now is basically like targeting smaller clubs that that already don't do big business to begin with. Like, I mean, Todd Bowley's out here writing $150 million checks while, you know, like in City A, the, like the, nobody can buy anybody. Like it's literally there was $9 million spent in the January transfer window um, in Italy as a whole. Like teams can't make signings during the year due to, and I mean, a lot of that is the fault of, of the way Serie uh, is. But I mean, look at the same kind of thing in La Liga, and um, and even Germany, um, other than Bayern. Like everybody is pretty much low spending, and then these Premier League teams are out here doing whatever they want, um, and then the financial fair play goes and basically cripples smaller clubs. Like I know for Roma, they've been we couldn't even register Ola Solbalkin, the guy that we basically brought in for free from Norway because of FFP regulations. So they're really just like misdirecting like their intentions here when it comes to, um, you know, really keeping finances regulated amongst clubs and they allow big clubs to constantly get away with things. Like I don't even know how Barcelona got away with what they did this past summer. Um, You know, when they were, really in a hole with with um financial regulations and man city's been at the at the helm of um at this kind of stuff in the past too with allegations so you know what for me guys based off all of that being said i think they should throw the book at them you know whatever it is if if they go to trial and they find out that you know all of these things were true yeah, send them down to the championship even the third league make a make an example of out of city you know, obviously it'll rock the world news-wise, but I mean, if you really wanted to be fair, you would do that. But like you guys have also mentioned, there's a business side that the EPL probably realizes isn't best for them. I think maybe they might eliminate, you know, Man City from certain competitions, like perhaps the Carabao Cup or or whatever, suspend them in, in kind of these minor ways and, you know, maybe a six-month transfer ban or something silly like that. Um but I mean, if they want to do it fair, I think they would they would do that. But we know that it's it's not about fairness in in professional football. It's about money. Money comes first, right? So we'll see where that leads to. But um, why don't we? J- um, we got a few more topics to cover here. Um, I just want to say, of course, to- of course, Geo is in favor of punishing the big teams, and you know, like fuck them all. Of course, because and, you know, they small they do teams the- are. Just being targeted, and it just it comes. It's, it's they goes, are no. It goes to say of like how like small a team Roma is, but you know what? It's fine. Right, right, right. I mean, well, while Roma's char- you know more than likely going to be in the Champions League, Chelsea, uh, Chelsea can sit, sit tight there with Fulham and uh, and Brentford. Maybe they can all go out to dinner and talk about how the middle of the table feels. But um, <laughs> anyways, okay, all right. <laughs> Uh, um, why don't we um, speaking of Roma since you had to take jabs um, now we have to talk about it so um, what a disaster and just an absolute gong show Nicolo Zaniolo has been um, he has been just constantly linked with a move out of the out of the Italian capital you know it was Juventus and then it was Milan 
and then it was Juventus again, then the Premier League, and then, you know, even I think Real Madrid was sniffing around there early on. So this guy's always been linked with a move out, but just absurd behavior on him and his entourage's part. And now he is a a member of Galatasaray. Yes. Not something I, I, I would have um, seen coming, to be honest, guys. Um, you know, he his agency and his entourage has done quite the number on diminishing his value. Um, and just a way that they, you know, for a team like Roma that stood, stood by him after two career-altering injuries um, and was, you know, trying to negotiate a renewal, he decided to demand a transfer with basically one week left in the window out of nowhere, um, after up to this point having a terrible season with basically a few goals for a player that you know is supposedly wanting to be the highest paid player on the team, which is just absurd. Um, but nonetheless, Rick, what is your kind of view on this this move here? Um, I mean, obviously, I don't think it's Zaniolo's preferred option. Um, the breakdown of the deal was that Roma would get sixteen and a half million up front. And then basically $14 million in bonuses, performance-related bonuses. And according to sources, these related bonuses are very, very, very attainable and should be met with no issues. So we're looking at about 30 mil. 30, 30 million plus Roma have priority on two of Galatasaray's top prospects. Um, two really, really good players out of um, two Turkish players here. Um, I'll have to pull up the names. I'll, I'll try to mention it as soon as I get that info. But um, that plus, yeah, plus that. And then there is a resale value as well and a $35 million, uh, 35 million euro release clause. Yeah. Um, um, I think, which, which I think if, if there's a release, release clause that low uh, in today's market for a player like Saniolo, that would mean that he's sort of got his act together and, if someone wants to sign it and pay the release clause, obviously he'll be worth more than that. So it's a big, like that's a big thing because that means the player thinks he can get out of there in a year or two, right? Um, so which exactly. kind of leads us to think that he still kind of cares about the sporting aspect of it all. Um, but also, I don't know if like because clearly what he wanted was more money, right? He didn't care about Roma's project really because he left it, and like you said, he asked to leave less than a week before the transfer market was done. Right, so he's going to Turkey, which is a beautiful country, right? And he's and obviously it sucks what just happened to them with the earthquake and all. By the way, but yeah, he's, uh, prayers out to everyone there. Yeah, terrible exa- stuff. Exactly, and um, but it's a beautiful country to live in. It's 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 a, a league where Galatasaray is one of the top three or four teams. Um, they normally make the Champions League in, after a good season. So like, and and by the way, they have a quite a good team. Um, they have Mauro Icardi in there. Muslera is the goalkeeper. You can, they got Mertens. They got Juan Mata. Lucas Torreira. Um, they have Gomis. Mauro like Icardi. Icardi is there. Um, Yusuf Demir, who came from Barcelona, came from Barcelona, is there. So there's a there's quite a few good players there. Um, they, so sorry, uh, Rick. Before you can conti- sorry before you continue. Yeah. Um, just um, so part of the deal, Roma holds an option. Um, so they hold a um. Uh, what do you call it? Um, a think, basically a priority purchase yeah, on Efe Akman and Yusuf Demir. Yeah, Yusuf Demir is one of them. Yeah, so Yusuf Demir is he's yeah. a Barcelona product, um, and he really just couldn't hack, couldn't make it into the first team because of the talent that there is, right? Um, so he left that as a right, but he could definitely be a good, a great talent. He's still pretty young, um, and then you also got Sergio Oliveira who played for Roma. You might remember him. Um, Gio, uh, yeah, player. it was like uh, there's a decent team, you not know? too bad. He couldn't, yeah. he could go and enjoy himself for a year and then see if he can make it out of there, right? Um, that's that's what I think is gonna happen. I don't, I don't see him. How old is he? 24, 23? 24, yeah, I believe he's going to be 24 at some point this year. I don't see him being in the league past like 26, right? Uh, and that's still young enough to get the fuck out of there. Right and go to a better team, and for thirty-five mil, that's pretty easy. That's that's pretty easy money. Um, so I think it's a good move. It's a good move for him right now because nobody else will take him. He needs to start like actually 
stepping up on the field. And once he does that, 35 mil for a player like from for what Saniolo can be is nothing. So if he manages to get his act together and and uh, score some goals, get some assists and, and some goal involvements, then I think 35 mil is, is not asking too much. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with that analysis. But what I would also say too is that None of that is a given, right? Yeah. Um, Zaniolo has been awful. Which is awful why thirty Zaniolo. million. Which is why thirty million is a very good sale value for Roma. It is, yeah. I mean, it really is a good for what his output was this year. Like, if you take away the name, and let's just say Nico Zaniolo's name is I don't know Ricardo Gonzalez Vega, you don't know who he is, and he's you know put up <laughs> he's put up three goals in in all competitions and. Now Roma selling him for thirty million plus options on two bright stars. You're thinking, why the hell would Galatasaray even sniff around this deal? Yeah. But like you said, I mean, because of his previous accomplishments, still relatively young age, physical attributes, and ability he's shown in the past. I mean, there is basically hope there. But I think that this could go one of two ways. If for me, if Zaniolo continues to be the same man that he has shown to be the past year or so, Galatasaray has made a terrible investment because I think Zaniolo, his whole family, and like his family, like his mom and his dad, who are part of his kind of entourage team, and his agent, Claudio Vigorelli, they haven't done him any favors. And I think that he is getting, you know, very sadly misguided by basically people who don't know what the hell they're talking about. Um, and it's showing. I mean, he's got a bad rep in Italy. Nobody wanted to pay, you know, even near that price tag for him. Um, so we'll see. We'll see where that goes, but it'll be interesting to see if he can rectify his career there. Rick, I know we're running out of time here for you, bud, but um, I had two topics left here, but let's just cover one of them uh, just because we are crunching down on that time. Okay. Which one do you find to be a more interesting move? And we'll dive into that one. Um, so we have Marcel Sabitzer to Manchester United or Joao Cancelo to Bayern. Oof, oof. Okay, I'll give you just a headline for Cancelo and then we'll go into Sabitzer because I think that's the better one. Um, Cancelo, okay, let's hear it. fantastic piece of business from Bayern Munich. I think they're going to end up buying him. 70 million is a big ask, I think, for a right back. Right, Nobody pays that except for City. But I think that he's worth it and I think that Bayern would really benefit from it because they haven't been... Uh, they, they haven't had a proper right back. It's been Pavard, and Pavard is not as good. Kimmich doesn't play right back anymore. He's a midfielder, and that's where he belongs. So I think Cancelo is amazing. He can also play on both wings. He can also play as a winger. He can play in the middle. He can be an attacking mid easily. He's so talented, and I think it's one of the most interesting ones in the summer, in the winter transfer market. I think Guardiola should not have let him go, uh, but he wasn't performing as he expected. So... It's good. Let him go. Let him be happy. Um, I think Byron should buy him outright. Like he's already worth it. I don't know if they're gonna do it, but I think they should. If he comes back to City, I don't think he has a place with Guardiola. And that's it. And then moving on, Marcel Sabitzer. I think that's a quality move from United. I think it came at the exact moment they needed it because Ericsson got injured. So um it kind of helps out. And I think he had a good enough debut. Um, he'll be important for sure. And I think he'll want to stay at United, to be honest. I think it's an upgrade. Personally, I think it's an upgrade. I'm not a United fan, by the way. People know I'm a Chelsea fan and I kind of hate United. But um, they're playing quality football at the moment. Bayern Munich is still the Bundesliga. I think the Bundesliga is not at the same level as the Premier League. So I would be more attracted by a project led by Ten Hag in the Premier League than a project at Bayern Munich where you're already the best team in the league and it's hardly a challenge for you to win the title and all you can really strive for is a Champions League. Whereas at Manchester United, um, I think the challenge of taking them to the level they deserve to be in historically is just a bigger um, a bigger challenge. A player would, it, it lives for something like that, you know? Um, and it's a big-ass club, you know? Uh, definitely more yeah. um, prestigious than Bayern Munich, in my opinion. Um, but that's just me, right? I'd rather play in the Premier League for Ten Hag than stay in the comfort of the Bundesliga. Um, so I think it's an amazing piece of business. It's just a loan, apparently, but I, I'm sure they're going to try and work something out if he performs 
half, like to half of the level that he can perform. Yeah, definitely intriguing to see where Manchester United, um, you know, what direction they're going to take. Obviously, a very turbulent start to their season this year with Ten Hag. Um, But uh, slowly but surely, oh, yeah, Ronaldo, that whole saga. So, yeah, definitely a lot of ups and downs for them. But it'll be interesting to see if they can slowly but surely, um, you know, add more quality to their side, maybe more more players that uh, for Ten Hag and, and see if he can turn the ship around. Yeah, but, and um, it gives you a lot of better options now. I really liked him in his debut. Uh, it gives it gives Ten Hag a lot more options now. He's got Fred, he's got Casemiro, he's got Sabitzer, he's got Bruno, he's got McTominay, he's got Eriksen once he's fit. So I do think that he's got the options and he, he, he can definitely put him to good use. No, definitely. It's just a matter of, yeah, of finding that right balance. But... Um, no, Rick, as always, man, um, thanks for hopping on for the for our soccer special today. Um, I'm glad we could have covered, uh, you know, these um, these topics from January. I know it's been a while since the windows closed, and but there's been a lot of big moves. And, um, you know, we'll definitely touch base uh, very soon here as the uh, the Champions League and Europa League are, are set to kind of recommence soon. Is that right? Yes, so, sir. Um, so we'll definitely tune back in once that um, stuff picks up or, or if there's other big news that we are just dying to hear about. I know you have to be, you have to be somewhere in about 30 seconds. Yes, sir. So <laughs> as it's 7:45. So yeah, thanks man for coming on Aaron. Thanks for all of your massive contributions in this segment. Um, no and we problem. will, <laughs> <laughs> and we will touch base with you very soon, Rick. So thanks again, brother. All right. No worries, boys. Have fun talking about the the wrong uh, type of football. Wow, wow, that is. And with that, too soon for Aaron. My leave. Wow, we'll we'll invite us over soon. Invite us over soon. (laughs) Have a boys' night. We'll do. (laughs) All right, brother. Yeah, boys. Take care. See you, buddy. You too. Oh, that is Ricardo Gonzalez Vega. Just a great lad, a great friend, and um, you know. He, he did the segue himself, Aaron. He wanted to move right into American football. Um, oh, Aaron, first off, how are you doing? I don't know how I'm doing, man. I'm, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I want to talk about this, to be honest. There's a lot on my mind, but. Sewer roll. Yeah, so as you guys you know, must know by now, or if you don't, um, if you're a new listener, which would be great. Um, anyone and everyone is welcome to this pod. Aaron here is a true diehard Philadelphia Eagles fan. Um, just very locked in to, to his team. And as we all know, yesterday was the Super Bowl. Uh, what number Super Bowl is this? I think 57. 57. Super Bowl 57. What a game it was. I mean, at no point could you declare a winner until the final, final play, really. Uh, second to last play of the game. Um, 38-35 final for the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, you know, with the help of some referee decisions as well. But, um Aaron, I mean, I'm going to just give you the floor here. I mean, I remember when, when Aaron Rodgers... Um, you know, I had to let out my steam from our final game of the season um, and how he just disappointed, you know, me, especially as a Packers fan. And I just kind of had my moment to decompress and perhaps give my thoughts. So I'm going to give you the floor um, to kind of go with whatever direction you want on it. This is your time. You're Rihanna at halftime right now. Wow. Wow. Well, well, don't compare yeah. me to the halftime show because I know Rihanna was pregnant, but that was an underwhelming halftime show, in my opinion. Very boring. Banger songs. Yeah. Banger, banger songs, but very underwhelming. Kind of dragged on, you know? Yeah. So let's move on from that. But Let's do it. <sighs> Looking on the bright side, Jalen Hurts, Eagles, you drafted a gem. He, this guy proved himself. Again, yeah, he made a crucial, awful mistake. Um, the fumble for the touchdown, but four touchdowns, three rushing touchdowns. Guy didn't throw a pick. 
Like he played almost picture perfect football. If you drop thirty five points in a Super Bowl or any game, in matter of fact, you're expecting to win that game. So, Jalen Hurts, Eagles offense in general, uh, without without a healthy Miles Sanders for throughout, amazing job. And I'm super excited to watch that offense roll next year, assuming they keep a lot of their pieces. But on the defensive side of the ball, man, man, man. I don't know whether to be more disappointed in Philadelphia or more scared for the league because of Kansas City. And yeah, okay, so Patrick Mahomes. I wanna I wanna dive into this a little bit more, Gio. Mahomes played a good game. He has now two Super Bowls in his last four years. Um, this is this is his league now. If if there were questions running rampant this year, oh, is it Burrow's league? Is this Allen, Allen's league? No, this is Patty Mahomes' league now. But like watching that game, did he make any like wow throws or like did did Patrick Mahomes win that game? And I'm not I'm not I'm not hating. It's just the matter of fact. He made one throw to Kelsey where he was getting sacked and almost fell down. That was a sick throw. But man. That was an Andy Reid masterpiece, my man. Like, holy cow. Like, the two touchdowns that Mahomes threw, the Sky Moore uh, motion pre-play, and then the Kadarius Tony motion pre-play. Like, you could put anyone in there, really. And for that to be a touchdown, awful job of the Eagles defense there. But that's all Andy Reid. And, wow. If Andy Reid does retire this year... Um, trouble, I, a lot of trouble, I think, for Patty Mahomes because he's a special, special coach. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with all that. And one of the stats that really stood out to me the most is Patrick Mahomes had three touchdowns at one point with 165 yards passing. Yeah, um, like that. The, to me, I, I think the most disappointing aspect, and like you said, a full credit to Andy Reid, and of course. Chiefs offense for pulling off um, what what just seemed to be in you know a spotless ga- second half game plan, but the Eagles defense was just simply horrific. Um, like I feel actually quite bad for Jalen Hurts in the offense, and you know we talk about that fumble, that horrible mistake where he you know lost balance and fumbled, um, which led to a defensive touchdown. But at that point, I mean the game was fourteen fourteen, right? Like it wasn't. You could say it was crucial if you look at the end score and see how much they won by. But at the end of the day, at that exact point in the game, it was tied up. And in fact, the Eagles went up at halftime um, by 10. So they were they were locked into a lead for a while. So although a disappointing play for Hertz, I wouldn't mark that down as, as a turning point or anything like that. Um, but there were even times too for me, I just think Jalen Hurts was definitely the superior quarterback that game, to be honest. Um, I mean, there was a play too late, I believe, in the fourth quarter, if I'm not getting too mixed up here, where just a perfectly thrown ball to uh, to Watkins. Um, and Quez, Quez let it drop right through his fingertips. Just a brutal, brutal... Like, I mean, even when they slow it down, I'm like, how much more perfect do you want this guy? Do you want him to run up the field and put it in your hands for you? Like it was just a perfectly thrown ball. And, you know, Jalen was doing that all game, man. And, you know, I mean, there was some great plays too by Dallas Goddard, who, you know, I think just did an impeccable job, even kind of making Jalen look pretty good in a couple throws too. Yeah. But the defense, man, of the Eagles, I mean, just simple breakdowns in communication and scheme. I mean, there, I mean, two touchdowns where, I mean, there's not even a Philadelphia defender in the vicinity of the of the receiver who's who's going to touchdown. Um, not even the vicinity. So when you have that bad of a breakdown, not once but twice, um, you know. And I don't know. I mean, I I was kind of suspect on the Eagles' run defense coming in. And it was something that I was kind of like a little bit on edge about. I didn't think Isaiah Pacheco would be a huge, huge, like, threat per se. I thought that the Eagles could kind of isolate Kelsey um, and kind of just, you know, maybe get to Mahomes a little bit better than the Bengals did and, and kind of take away one of his targets. But, man, was I wrong. It was um, it was a tough one 
it was a tough one to to swallow for, of course, Eagle fans. But um, yeah, and then Aaron, I did want to. I know it's it's a tough one, but I want to cover that uh, that Bradbury hold that everybody is talking about um, to basically end the game. So it was third down. Um, you know, it was a route. I believe he held. Was it Juju that he yeah, held on to? Yeah, Juju. He held on to Juju, who ran kind of like a button hook almost, it seemed, kind of cut into the middle and then tried to explode to the outside up the post. And, um, you know, there was there was a tug of the jersey as, as Bradbury manned up to after the game. You got to give him credit. But I don't know. For me, Aaron, that's a call you can't make. You cannot make that call. Like, it to me, it has to be way – like, I mean, the game – see, okay – if the game is 38 to 35 for the Eagles, you make that call perhaps. But the game is tied. I, I, I just think that's or if, or if the, I just don't think if the Eagles a are up by a touchdown. I just don't even think that's a yeah. I feel like if you use that context where like you, you make the call depending on the score of the game, it's like No, I I'm not saying that you make the call. Sorry, I miss misspoke there. I'm not saying you have to make the call. Oh, okay, well, the Eagles are up, make that call. I think it would have been more um, acceptable if, is maybe the right word as to maybe if the Eagles were in the lead and you saw like a marginal play and you were thinking, okay, like uh, maybe we can make this. But that the reason I say that is because they made that call, which I still think is bad, but it decided the Super Bowl. You know, if the Eagles were up by seven or 10, it wouldn't have decided the Super Bowl. It would have extended the Chiefs' drive and you could maybe go back and forth as to whether it was a penalty. Because even on, on the, um, I think the, the you know, referee um, analyst there on the panel, um, you know, was saying that, yeah, that's a penalty. And then Greg Olson was like, nah, you can't do that, yeah. right? So it seemed to be a gray area call. I, I'm definitely with Greg. I think it's a preposterous call to make at that point in the game and for how minimal contact that was. But I'm blabbering now. I want to hear your take on it. Yeah. Pereira is just going to back up the refs, man. You could tell right away. Mike Pereira didn't even think twice. He's like, Greg, you know, if you back up the play a little bit, it's like, no, man. He's, yeah, he's a mouthpiece. He's a mouthpiece. <sighs> that was... Well, you know what? If the flag was thrown before the ball was thrown, then you can maybe somewhat justify it. That flag was thrown well after the ball was thrown to hit the ground. So if Patrick Mahomes throws that ball in any other direction, that penalty is not even being called. And I think why it's more frustrating just for fans in general, not just Eagles fans, is because that ball was not going to be caught, right? However, oh, yeah. when, it, when it's a holding call, um, whether the ball gets caught or not is out of the question, Like as opposed to a P.I., Pass interference calls can get kind of taken away if the ball becomes uncatchable. That's not the case with holding. Holding is holding, but very minimal grab. Like, it, like you know what I mean? It wasn't even a tug. Like, it's not like we're playing the NBA here, you know, and it's like, ooh, I, you know, touch somebody and it's a foul. That was very flag football-esque. And just in general, like, I don't care if that's in the middle of the field, like, in your own end zone area, like, wherever, I don't think that's a penalty at all. And yeah, it's just that was just awful, 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 awful. And the Chiefs won the Super Bowl because of it. And these are like things that happen with the NFL, where these sort of plays that happen in big moments um, overlook the scope of the game, which which I think was a historically amazing Super Bowl. Like what a game that was! You know, it happened a couple of years ago with the Rams and Saints. Where the past appearance, oh no call, right? The NFL reacted very aggressively to it and made pass interference calls a challengeable play. That turned out to be a nightmare and they revoked that. I don't think they'll do anything with the holding, but yeah, that was just not not good officiating at the end of the game. I do agree though, 95% of that game was officiated well. The referees did an amazing job, but they really did screw up there in the end. Um, obviously, may, more biased because I'm a fan, but just hearing it from everybody, like Greg Olson, former NFL player. Um, you know, I think Ryan Clark, former NFL player. Um, just a lot of guys, like football athletes saying, 
oh, that's not the right call. Right. If you got like, you know, Skip Bayless or Stephen A. Smith saying, oh, you know, that's, that's not the right call, man. Okay, whatever. You know, you, yeah, they aren't athletes, but hearing it from actual players saying, nah, you know, who else are you going to side with, right? 100%. Yeah, and, and I think what's also important to, to note about that play in particular was that, um, you know, had they not called it, uh, it would have been fourth down, and the Chiefs would have, I think, probably kicked a doable field goal, but certainly not a chip shot. Um, and then, the, but the biggest thing is, is that I think the Eagles would have had around a minute and 25 seconds on the clock to do their own drive. And the way the Eagles were rolling that entire game, I mean, you can't really make a, um, what do you call it? Um, you can't really make a, um, a, a decision um, like as to whether or not a team got screwed over um, because you don't know what they would have done with that time. It's not like, you know, the the Eagles had 38 points as well or anything. They still would have had to march down the field to get a field goal themselves to even tie the game. Um, so they would have had work to do. But if we're, if we're being honest with ourselves, like there's a high chance that that game should have and probably, you know, definitely should have gone to overtime if we think about it. Um, and I think that would have just been a hell of an end to, to such a fantastic game. Um, back and forth action, um, you know, an overtime winner would have been just insane. Um, so, you know, it is what it is, but um, yeah, an interesting, just a very, as a neutral, very entertaining Super Bowl. although I was going for the Eagles. Um, it's not like they are my team or anything like that. Obviously not the Chiefs either, but, um, you know, definitely the good thing, Aaron, is that you have a lot to look forward to next year as well. I think the Eagles are not going anywhere. They're still, uh, I think, going to be a dominant force next year. And if they continue to add and fix some deficiencies on the defensive side of the ball, which definitely, I think, cost them the Super Bowl, um, they'll they'll come back with a vengeance. Yeah, they're... This team is ready to roll. They got uh, two first-round picks coming in the draft, so um, they can fix voids clearly on the defensive end now. And I don't think it's like these guys were a top-two defensive team in the NFL, right? So what Kansas City did to them was special. Um, Just failures on the coaching front and also personnel-wise, which, like I said, two first-round picks, they're going to attack that at the draft, right? How can you scheme against... um, one legendary tight end and Travis Kelsey pass pass rush is good. Secondary is above average, but it can always get better. Darius Slay did not have a good game. Um, Bradbury obviously didn't have the best game even prior to that penalty. So attack the draft with linebackers and secondary players, corners that you can slot into build some depth Watch out for Philly next year. You look at that. I mean, that's obvious, but look at the division. Dallas, I think, is going to regress. This should have been their year, and they screwed it up. The Giants will get a little better, but they need to improve quite a bit there on the defensive end of the ball. And Washington is in lull. They're they're starting their fifth-round pick. I I keep forgetting his name. I keep thinking of Trace McSorley, but that's not his name. Um, (laughs) That's starting next year. Um so, yeah, like, look at the rest of the NFC. I mean, obviously, off-season-wise, you're going to see a lot of things happen. But right now, it's going to be Philadelphia and San Francisco. And Yeah. Yeah. And San Francisco, I think they should go with Trey Lance. Right? I know we're delving a little off-topic here, but I guess we can talk about it. San Francisco's quarterback situation. Like, they drafted Trey Lance because they knew Jimmy G had a limited ceiling. You know what I mean? His ceiling was game manager, pocket passer. He's not really good with scramble. You can only run a certain type of offense. Trey Lance, if you develop his passing game, guy can fly. He's He can run. He's a super athlete. The playbook is, like, open. You know, it's, it's a high-risk, high-reward kind of player. But then if you... And that's what reports are saying. They're going to go with Brock Purdy. Well, Brock Purdy, do you not think Gio is a carbon copy of Jimmy Garoppolo? Not the best 
um, athleticism, okay in the pocket, game manager. So when it's also such a small sample size too, I mean, yeah, like I mean Trey Lance obviously has a has a very small NFL sample size, but like I I don't really understand like if they. It seems like they they are they built their offense to accommodate that kind of quarterback, like a Jimmy Garoppolo, like a Brock Purdy, and at the very high end of things, if they would have had like a Tom Brady, um, they would have just been cooking. So in a in a sense, I don't really understand why they even drafted Trey Lance in the first place, because given just his stylistic approach to the game and how he plays, it almost seems like they prefer like the game manager pocket passing kind of player and, you know, kind of prefer to run their offense through, you know, um, complex and sophisticated run schemes and, um, you know, different setups that, that Shanahan has implemented. So it's kind of weird in the first place and looking at the direction that they're going with Purdy to even see why they wanted a guy like Trey Lance, if this is kind of the, their philosophy, um, at quarterback. Yeah. So I don't know what the Niners are doing over there, but in that quarterback position, they got everything else figured out. So yeah. Yeah. Elite defense and yeah. elite running back. And yeah, no, I mean, honestly, like, although we're running out of time here, you know, tomorrow, I think we can definitely delve into some more, um, you know, there's a lot of NFL stuff to talk about. Um, you know, Derek Carr is set to be cut. Um, and we could definitely talk about how he just kind of gave the middle finger to Mark Davis and was like, yeah, you're not getting shit for my services. Um, so we'll, we'll definitely, uh, preview some options for him. Um, obviously those, those main kind of quarterback, um, needing teams are going to be, you know, hovering around him like the Bucks and the Raiders or sorry, the Bucks and the saints and the jets and, um, and so forth. And, um, you know, Rogers has, has taken a deep dive into a cave for the next probably <laughs> two months. So we'll see what the, I mean, God, I don't even know if I want to talk about him, but, um, and yeah, the NHL is definitely heating up too with, uh, Jacob Chikrin being held out for trade related reasons, according to the official Twitter account of the Arizona Coyotes. Right. So looks like there's going to be a lot of dominoes falling in the NHL soon. Thank, thank God it's been forever. Just the same bullshit, Aaron. Every week, every day, I listen to like sports radio, and it's just like they're asking these insiders, whether it's Dreger, or Johnson, or Friedman. Have you heard anything on the trade front? Nope, not really. It's been pretty quiet. And I'm like, wow, great, really, really awesome stuff, NHL. Thank you for for being so captivating. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll definitely preview all that there. But I just wanted to spend today after the soccer special with Rick to kind of just give a, a, a debrief of the Super Bowl and. Aaron, we thank you for your bravery to to come on and uh, and battle through talking about uh, about this defeat. But again, you're in a good spot, I think, as an Eagles fan. So hopefully, those crazy, crazy Eagle fans don't destruct too many things um, out in you know out in Philly, out in Pennsylvania. But we'll see. Yeah, uh, I don't know how I got through it today, Gio. But tomorrow, guys, I'll have a lot more energy and. And, uh, yeah, you sound like a. You sound just like you were. You sound like you and your 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 wife of fifteen years were in marriage counseling, and, yeah. and you know you just went through a vigorous session, and you're just you know got no hope. You know what? <laughs> you know what? Before we jump off here, if the Eagles got destroyed, it would hurt less because you kind of have your morning during the game, you know, and you're like, you know what? They got outplayed. Yeah, you just crack a few more beers and you're yeah. like, you know what? Like, we made it to the bowl. It happens. But, but we got outclassed. It got, it feels like the game got stolen. And this has nothing to do with Kansas City, right? But yeah, it's super annoying. Super annoying. It's very similar. I mean, Aaron, I felt like the exact same emotions when Toronto lost to Tampa Bay in game seven. Um, because that game, that series was basically an Eastern Conference final, let's face it. Um, with the quality of teams and happening in the first round, but losing two one and just like also getting ripped off in a way too with that interference goal that would have tied it. If you don't, if you remember, so it's things like, you're right. It's like you got, you've already stuck the knife in, but now it's being twisted, you know? So yeah, it's a tough one, but that's, that's why we love sports, man. 
the emotions. It's the highest highs and the lowest lows. We're still we're still with our our teams. So, um, but yeah, thanks guys for tuning in. Um, probably upload these episodes in segments. So we'll have a soccer special to start off with Rick, and then um, you know we'll we'll release a separate one for our Super Bowl debrief. But as always, we'll be back tomorrow uh, on the weekday. Uh, tomorrow is a Tuesday, and we'll cover a bunch of uh, fun topics. So make sure to, to tune in. Thanks, guys. Send some love over, please. Yeah. Yeah. Follow us on uh, on Twitter. That would probably boost Aaron's spirits up oh, at yeah. Up Pod. Please. Yeah. Send me some Hit memes. us up on Twitter. Do whatever. Yeah. Send him some something to to get his get his uh, his spirits up, um, and um, yeah, we'll be back at it tomorrow. Thanks for tuning in, guys. All my life, been grinding all my life. Sacrifice, hustle, pay the price. Want a slice? Got to roll the dice. That's why. All my life, I've been grinding all my life. Look, all my life, been grinding all my life. Sacrifice, hustle, pay the price. Wanna slice, got to roll the dice, that's why All my life, I've been grinding all my life Look, I'm married to this gang, that's who I made my wife Said I die alone, I told that bitch she probably right